0: Man, I just, I just can't tell you how proud I am to see what God is doing here at Bethany. And uh, it's good to be home. We, uh, we're gone for two weeks, and uh, we were down in Houston, Texas uh, with our family. And uh, a lot of people are like, man, they find out that we actually drove down. And so just, just so you know, we had a great time, a great time of ministry down there as well as some vacation as well. Um, but I will never drive down to Houston, Texas again. <laughs> Uh, I will fly (laughs) Uh, driving is just way too long and I thought splitting up the trip it would be fine but it's just like especially on the way home it felt like we were never ever gonna get home and there were funny moments that happened and uh, we just had a great time Jordan did an amazing amazing job my daughter So there was, there was 390 short sermons uh, that were there uh, that were represented nationally. Uh, Jordan did her short sermon three times and placed in the top 19 in the country um, for callbacks. And then with her spoken word, I, there was like 250 spoken words and she was number 10 in the nation for spoken word. Just did an amazing... Amazing job. And the one thing I was so proud of is, is she held to um, just the teaching and preaching style that she's been sitting underneath for years. And I'm sorry. I know it's a little bit of a disadvantage because sometimes on the national stage, they're looking for a certain, a certain model. They want you to follow different things. And, and Jordan is like her dad. We don't follow a model. We just kind of do our thing. And so, so, so proud of you, sweetie. And uh I'm going to miss you like crazy in a few weeks we're going to be driving her down to uh, Florida and she's going to be at Southeastern University down there and we know that God's going to do great things in and through her and and all I got to say is Southeastern better watch out because my girls coming in and she's just going to do amazing things and we know we know that God has a great plan for her and purpose and so we're excited to see that and uh, see that all unfold when I think back to my childhood I experienced things that maybe some of you can relate to and maybe others cannot. So for me, uh, growing up, I wasn't the smartest kid at school. Uh, Anyone struggle in school? Come on, just raise your hand. So I was one of those kids who struggled in school. I was constantly struggling with reading, with math, really any of the basics I struggled with. I was really good in gym class. Like I was... Really, really solid in gym class. But um, when I was in third grade, actually, um, because I was struggling so much in school, they actually were talking about holding me back as a third grader. So these are kids that I'd been going to school with and was sitting there. And I, I remember as a young kid, they would, uh, when we would go to take a test and do different things in the classroom, I had such a hard time focusing that the teacher would send me out into the hallway. And she would come out sometimes, and she would talk with me in the hallway, and and then she would get frustrated because I just couldn't grab simple things. The only way I learned my ABCs is because someone taught it to me in a song. And no joke, every time we would take any type of test with ABCs when I was younger, I would literally have to be like, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And if I messed up in the song, I literally would have to start all over again at the front. I just struggled. I struggled with reading. I struggled with math. I was that kid, and and in many ways, the thing that I struggled with was a lot of it, I started thinking that I was dumb. I struggled with this idea of being dumb and and not like the other kids and it seemed like they were getting things that I wasn't and and then all of a sudden here I am um, at this age of, you know, going into third or actually getting ready to go uh, into fourth grade and they're going to hold me back. All my friends are going to move up and I'm going to get held back. And my parents realized that the way I was being taught wasn't working. And so my parents were desperate, and they hired a tutor. I can't even remember her name. I wish I could. I literally all week have been trying to think through that lady's name. I texted my mom. Do you remember who she was? All I remember was that she was a young teacher. She had just started off, and she became my tutor. And my mom would take me, and we, she would drop me off at her house. And, and I. this was back in the day. Like, like Now I think back, and I'm like, that's weird. Because I would go to her apartment. And it was just me and her. And here she is, this young cop. She wasn't married or anything. She had a boyfriend. And I remember this. He played the guitar. Because I wanted to play the guitar because he played the guitar. I thought that was so cool. And, uh, but she would sit down and she would work with me. And the way that she would work with me is she would begin having me bake things and make things. And so we would make cookies, and we would measure out milk inside of the glass, and she would say, how full is the glass of milk that you want with your cookies? And she taught me about halves, and taught me about um, quarters, and all those different things. She started teaching me about those things, started working with me about subtraction and simple things with cookies. So she would put a plate of cookies in front of me and say, how many do you want? And I would say, all of them. And then she would make me count all of them out. And I would struggle counting many of those out, but all of a sudden things began clicking. And all of a sudden she began really helping me begin to learn. I remember she would have me bring books, but the books she didn't care. She would let me pick the books I wanted to read. And all of a sudden I would sit there and be looking at things Subjects and and things throughout those books that actually interested me, and she would begin working with me patiently on those words. And week after week, she would work with me. And all of a sudden, as things began to change, I began to realize that I really wasn't that dumb. That I really had some smarts. It just took me a different way of learning those different things. Really, what she was is she was a teacher. You see, people who have a gift of teaching in their lives are individuals who can see the circumstances around them and can begin teaching in a way that people comprehend around them. Every week, I'm thinking through ways that I can share a message that people will grab a hold of. And and now here, the dumb kid who was going to be held back from third grade, at least that's what I thought, in that age, is now leading an entire church, I have staff, I mean, all these different things, and it's like God has faithfully seen me through those moments, but it boils back to a woman who really, I believe, had a teaching anointing on her life. In fact, if you uh, have grown up here in America, you have in some way, shape, or form been probably reached and had an experience with a teacher. In fact, if you're a teacher in the room, whether uh, post-secondary, college, elementary, uh, public or private, uh, if if you work with kids, you're an administrator, would you just stand real quick just in the room, just just stand to your feet real quick. Come on, can we give these teachers and administrators a big hand? Thank you guys so much for everything that you guys do to pour into our kids. And when you think about the impact that you're making, can I just encourage you with this thought? There are probably going to be other Bryans who are going to struggle, who are going to test your patience. Man, my teachers in school, I, I put them through the ringer. Because every time they tried to teach things, I just got bored and I would literally sit there and go, I do not understand this. And teachers would look at me and be like, this is how I'm going to teach it. Can I just challenge you with thinking outside of the box? Thinking about different ways to do that. And, and I believe in the church, and this is one of the things we've been looking at, is we've been looking at the past few weeks, the five-fold ministry. And today we're going to focus in on the teacher we're going to focus in on this idea of the teacher and the, the function of the teacher in, in the uh, church. And when I think about great teachers, I think of Rob Burkhardt on Wednesday night. He has been teaching how to study the Bible. And if you have not been here on Wednesday night, you've been missing that man. That, that man is a teacher. And he is going deep. And there are people who are like, they love it. You know why? Because there many of you, are. you have a teaching Calling on your life, and you're like, I, I love this. Like, you, you just want to sit at his feet. You're like, if, I could, if Rob could just teach every week, you know? And uh, so, Rob has been teaching on Wednesday nights and is just doing a great job of how to study the Bible. And this past Wednesday, I was sitting in the back and I was listening. And there were a few times where I'm sitting there, and here's what I thought man, that guy is so much smarter than I am. And all of a sudden, my mind, I started, my mind started playing tricks on me. I started going, man, if I could only be like Rob. If I could only teach like Rob. And I started coveting a gift that the Lord hadn't, hasn't necessarily placed in my life. And, and here's the thing that we have to understand is sometimes when we look at the fivefold ministry, we see other people and their giftings, we go, oh, I wish I was like that. Can I just challenge you to this thought? Be who God has called you to be. Just be who God's called you to be. Be, if, if God's called you to be an apostle, then be the apostle. If He's called you in the prophet, then be that prophet. If He's called you to be the shepherd, then be that, the evangelist, be that. So proud of Pastor Braley and, and uh, Pastor Ron. They just did a phenomenal job the past two weeks. I mean, just just a phenomenal job. I mean I mean, think about it this way. The first week, Pastor Braley rides a bike out onto the stage. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching live online, I'm sitting there going, "Man. I've always wanted to ride a bike out on stage. Pastor Braley beat me to it. Can't do that anymore. And then the next week, Pastor Ron gets up here, and he's doing his thing. And, and Pastor Ron, you know, he has a skeleton, a full-size skeleton up on stage talking about the body and the systems, and his name was Zeke, and he's doing all those things. And, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, man, like, what am I going to do? I need... I gotta come out big I gotta come out big with a prop this week and so all right fellas so go ahead fellas and 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 go ahead let's 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 bring it out Oh, come on come on fellas come on all right all right I got it all right all right so so I was just thinking, you know, how cool would it be to have a motorcycle on stage? And uh, so, Pastor Ron, I beat you, man. <laughs> God, I got a motorcycle on stage. Pastor Braley, this, this, is, this is legit right here, uh, this uh, motorcycle. But, you know, it's interesting because when you do think about it, I think the great thing that Pastor Braley and Pastor Ron both showed is the importance of things working together and how each of them are needed to actually accomplish the tasks that are at hand. You can't ride a motorcycle without wheels, without a motor, without handlebars. You can't have a body that's functioning the right way without all the necessary systems that are working together. You see, we have to remember this that we are better together. We're better together. Come on, each and every one of us are better together. You can't sit in the back on a Wednesday night and think, oh, Pastor Rob, he has so much more. He knows so much more about the scriptures. He's, he's he, Man, he, look, look at how he understands these things. You can't sit there and think that you should have all the gifts that everyone else gets to show. No, 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 no. What we need to do is we need to sit in the back of the room and we need to say, man, I am so proud to be a part of the team. And that's what the Lord really spoke to me in my heart back there. Is He's like, Brian, stop looking at his competition, stop looking at it as he knows more things, and start looking at it as look what you get to be a part of. That there are people in the body of Christ that you get to partner up with like that. And they get to use their gifts and they get to use their talents and the things that God has placed inside of them. And I think about the puff paths and what God's doing in and through them and, and the missions con that He's listen, we are better together. God is doing things in our church, and and I hope that you're getting excited about what God's doing. These impact moments that are beginning to happen are happening, and people's lives are being changed. You heard Casa talk about that earlier, about a woman whose husband is going through cancer and all that, and look what God did. He's talking with someone this, uh, two nights ago and she was sharing how she was doing an impact at McDonald's and she said I had come through and she goes I was in the outside lane and these kids kind of pulled up in the inside lane two guys and they kind of started blaring their music and kind of being a little obnoxious and everything and she said I'm sitting there in the car and the Holy Spirit is like you need to buy their lunch. And she's like oh not these guys you know. <laughs> Somebody else. So she pulls in front and goes up to the thing and pulls up there and says, hey, just wanted to buy the guys behind us and goes to hand the card to them. And the lady says, oh, that's really nice or whatever. And then says, it'll be $28. And she's like, two people are eating $28 at McDonald's. And she's like, instantly, she was like, almost like upset, you know. Can I just tell you, sometimes showing God's love in practical ways is not always at the convenience. It it doesn't always fit into a certain model or way you think it's going to be. Sometimes it costs you a little bit more. But can I just tell you, each and every moment you do that, what is happening is that God's love is being shown. And you don't know what that moment could cause to happen in somebody's life. Last night I was sitting around with a group of people and someone shared the story about how their brother had just gotten saved. Here at Bethany, can I tell you there are moments that are happening around us where God is faithfully moving and you and I get to be a part of it. We are better together and God is doing great things inside of our church. When we think about this idea of being better together, remember each and every one of us If we're a follower of Jesus, we are then ministers. Listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're a minister. You don't get the day off. You don't get the. It's not like it's just Pastor Brian and the team. It's not just the puff pass. You know, as missionaries, no. You are a minister. Each and every one of us are ministers. Each and every one of us have a calling and gifting. In fact, throughout this series, I hope that there have been a moment where you're like, man, I think I have an apostolic calling i my life. Man, I think I have an evangelistic calling on my life. I feel like there's these different things and maybe today you're gonna relate to the teacher because here's what ministers do. Ministers do Jesus stuff. They heal the sick. They spread the gospel, the good news. They cast out demons. They perform miracles. They give prophetic words. They win the lost. Followers of Jesus are ministers. Now, our passage of Scripture we've been looking at the past few weeks has been Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 12. It says, and he gave apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to do what? To do what? To equip the saints for the what? For the work of the ministry. The work of the ministry, not just for your benefit Not just for your knowledge, not just so you can puff up your chest and say, look at me, I'm apostle so-and-so, or I'm prophet so-and-so. No, actually, he gave those gifts to the church for the work of the ministry, and then for what? It says for the building up of the body of Christ. You and I are a part of the body of Christ. The problem has been, for so long, we have actually been building only certain parts of the body. Now I've seen some really freakish looking people in some gym magazines where all they did is just work their biceps. You ever seen that? And their biceps are huge. Their the rest of their body is skinny and little and they just have these huge arms. Can I just say that's weird? It's just weird. And you look at people and you go, you did not fully work your body. I had a trainer years ago. Yes, years ago. You can tell. But years ago, I had a trainer who was working with me. And he used to always say, listen, the best type of of exercise is, is full body. He's like, it's working the legs. He's like, it doesn't matter if you feel like your legs are fine. He's like, you need strong legs. You need a strong back. He says, when you get older, he says, you'll understand why you need a strong back. And he started talking to those things, and, and he's talking about the full body being working together in the right way, everything attached the right way. That is exactly how the church has been meant to be, is that you and I are called to work together, to be together in this. And God has given each and every one of us a calling, a function that you and I operate in. Now, Jesus embodies all five of the ministry gifts. We see that. Was Jesus an apostle? Yes. Was he a prophet? Yes. Was he a shepherd? Yes. Was he an evangelist? Yes. Was he a teacher? Yes. And today, I want to focus in on this teacher concept. Now, when you think of a teacher, really, um, in, in the church and really kind of see the church operating that here's some words that maybe come to mind, maybe like an instructor. You, 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 you could think of like a theologian, maybe someone who's like a coach, or a philosopher. Someone who mentors. Someone who guides. Someone, someone who's a researcher. And, and I see this. There are people who love research. And I, think, I think of Amanda Mauricio. Man, that girl down there, uh, she loves to research things. If you ever want to feel inferior in your soaps, look at her soaps. I mean, like, And I say that because if you're comparing, and I've heard people do this, they've compared to her. Instead of being, man, look at the gift that God has given her. And look what I can glean from that. And some of the understand, she researched, man, she gets in there and she is digging into stuff. I think of Peg Keffer and, and how much like that history side of her comes out. And every time I do a teaching and stuff, Peg's always coming to me. She's always kind of challenging a thought to me and kind of saying, what about this, Pastor Brian? Why? Because she has a teacher's function on her life. The, these are not only researchers, but they're writers. They're debaters, Ever notice that they're debaters. I, I never could win debates with my teachers. Just it didn't. I just I couldn't. Now Casey being a prophet, he actually has a big side of that too. He's a debater in there. So if you put Casey being prophet guy with a teacher in the room and you get those two debating, it's gonna get a little heated because they they both have their feelings on different things and how those things are gonna work. You, they're thinkers. They're thinkers. They're observers. They're constantly observing the context of what's happening. And really, in many ways, they're truth-tellers. Now, they're looking to truth that they find in God's Word. Now, a prophet will say, I've I've received this truth from the Lord. They'll talk about things they've received from the Lord. A teacher will say, this is what I've read in God's Word. (laughs) And you'll see these things kind of in play, and the church is actually called to be a place of teaching. We're we're called to be a place where where we're gaining insight and spiritual insight and knowledge of the Scriptures. The teacher function has its roots really in, in the Scriptural tradition. So think about what Scripture does for a moment. What does Scripture do? Scripture helps us grow in the knowledge of who God is. And in many ways helps us grow in the calling that God has placed upon our life. If every follower of Jesus is a minister, then the scriptures actually helps us see our role as ministers in the gospel. But the teacher function really came into prominence really in a time that was really difficult for Christians. It really came into play after uh, Israel's exile. See, Israel was being put into a Babylonian culture, a culture that was not like their own, a different worldview, different things that were happening, different gods that they were worshiping, different traditions, all these things. And Israel is then faced with a choice of now learning and understanding who God truly still is. And, And so after that, you see in the New Testament, really the rabbis coming in, and the whole purpose of the rabbis was to be teachers. They were to be teachers of the law and and to help Israel remember who they were and who God was during that time. The people of God had to cultivate a distinct worldview in a hostile context. On Wednesday nights prior to Rob being in here teaching on the Bible, we were doing a series uh, about how to thrive in a Babylonian culture and how you and I are called like that of Daniel to thrive in the midst of a culture that is very different than us. But see, as God's people, the church, we are actually called to represent Christ in our culture. We're called to take a stand, to revere, to cherish, and actually to obey what God is actually calling us to do. And so as God's people in the church, what we have to understand is we need to allow the voice of the teacher to rise in different moments. The teacher shows us through God's word and through his character a deeper knowledge of the truth of who God is with the teaching gift comes this insatiable desire to really learn the word of God at a deeper level anytime I've met people who really have a teacher function in life you see that like you you start talking about the scriptures and they are just like man they love it they they just have a hunger that's deep inside of them they want to know know want to know more teachers want to know the context they want to know the nuances they want to know the definitions of different things And so therefore, they become much like the Bereans. They they are becoming ones who readily accept the word, and then they search the scriptures daily. They're constantly in the scriptures, constantly studying them for themselves. Teachers, though, need to have a Holy Spirit-driven ability to actually kind of go in and and begin to pull the meat out of the scriptures. Have you ever heard someone say that? I've heard people say this, you know, well, Pastor Brian, I'm really looking for a pastor that can really pull the meat out. Can I just say that there are moments where that happens, but, but what you're looking for is someone with a primary gift of a teacher. They're ones who really pull the meat out of the scriptures and really do that. But here's what has happened in Western culture is we have allowed the primary gift of the lead pastor to be the one gift that the church stands upon and the church is then incomplete. But if the church would learn how to allow all five of the ministry gifts actually take place. What would happen is the church would be complete and the church wouldn't be some freakishly muscled, you know, like bicep guy. They would actually be powerful throughout the entire body. And what would happen is, well, the gates of hell would never prevail because the church would be how God called us to be. Next week, we're gonna be unpacking after this week. Okay, fivefold. I feel like I know where I'm at in this. Now what? That'll be what we'll talk about next week. Now what? Okay, what does that mean? What does that mean for Bethany? What does that mean for me personally? And we're going to be really begin exploring that very thing right here. You see, each and every one of us have a spiritual gift, a function that God has actually called us to. I love what James chapter 3 verse 1 through 2 says. It says this, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Now, That scripture should make some of us who have a teacher function on our lives and calling a little nervous. Because um, look what it says. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. You actually give account for the words you say. The words I say as a pastor, I give account for those. I will stand before the Lord for those things. And it's our responsibility and also honor that we've been entrusted with speaking into people's lives. One that should never be taken lightly. So let me share with you just nine purposes or functions that we see really in a church that's operating in the teacher gift right here. The first is this, is it brings wisdom and understanding. See, the teacher is always one who's bringing wisdom, they're bringing understanding to the situation around them. They're focused on acquiring wisdom and understanding from the scriptures. They're creating a culture. And, and really, you see this when, when there's a teacher anointing on the house, you see there's this culture of curiosity, this culture of wanting to know a little bit more. There's this pursuit of learning and interpretation. There's an explanation of the scriptures. They're constantly digging in. They're they're saying, look what God's saying here. And they're always looking for a greater understanding and pulling some wisdom out of the scriptures. The next thing is, is is they're developing, helping the church develop a worldview. Christianity, if you didn't know this, has a very different take on the world than the world does. If you didn't know that, as Christians, we think differently than the world. Or at least we should. Because Jesus was nothing like the world around him. And if he is living inside of us, we should think differently. We should, we should have a, a distinctively different take on the world around us. We need a biblical mindset. And really the teacher gift in operation helps us begin to develop that. It begins to see that around them. Seeing the world as God sees it. It's developing a life that's balanced in the things of the Lord in the midst of a foreign culture. When you look at the life of Daniel, you see a man who who actually in the midst of a foreign culture held to certain principles of who God is and was. It means feeling sometimes what God feels in the midst of it sometimes that's that's what it is it's it's us feeling that it's it's developing that worldview it's experiencing the grief it's experiencing the pain and the joy and and the rejoicing and the anger and all the different things that the Lord would feel in those moments the next is this is it cultivates a love of the scriptures cultivates a love of the scriptures see the scriptures are complex but they are rich with knowledge and they are rich and those who are, who are devoted to the scriptures and those who, who have this teacher function, they are individuals who go in and begin to pull out and they devote their time and they study in order to really see its true beauty. And so here at Bethany, we, we soap. It stands for Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. It's just a simple method that we use, but the whole idea is, is that we read the same Scripture. Together and we spend time in that and then we observe the context of the scripture. We apply it to our lives, to our family, to our church, to our culture, and then we pray that over our lives for the day and we spend time in there together so that we can have that relationship. And can I just say this? The people who are soaping are seeing their lives change. The people who aren't, it's a little bit struggler, a little bit more of a struggle. Honestly. I am talking to people throughout our church who are soaping, and they're like, man, God is changing my life through the scriptures. And people who aren't, I don't hear that very much from them. I'm not saying it's not happening. I'm just saying the people who are soaping, their lives are being changed. You want to see your life changed? Spend time in God's word. Promise you, it will not return void. The next thing is this, is it helps create theological unity. It's important that we, the church, have unity. Engagement of um, theologos would be God talk. We need to have God talk happening. We need to be talking about what the Lord is doing. If you want to talk about theology and different things, there are individuals throughout our church, man, they, they love sitting down and talking about those. Like Pastor Casey loves talking about that kind of stuff. He'll get into that and, and, and we will begin really digging in. There are different people throughout our church who have different callings on their life. Listen, you and I need to have a theological unity that comes together. Because if you don't think that Jesus Christ is Lord, you don't think that Jesus is the way. And I've heard this. I've heard this from people who have been going to church for a long time. Here's what's crazy. I've heard people say this. That, that their Muslim and Buddha friends, that, that they, they are still worshiping the same God. It's just, it's just a different name. Like, it's like it's okay, cause you know, in the end, basically, all things will kind of, you know, like we call him, you know, Jesus and, and you know the Father, and we say all that, and but but it's okay. There's. Can I just tell you? No. No. Not all paths lead. This isn't all dogs go to heaven. Okay, it's not. It's not. It's not like the movies. It's not like there's only one way. The Bible clearly says. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. There is only one way to heaven. And, and, and it will be a def- this is going to be a deciding factor as the church continues to move forward. I promise you. This is going to be one of the biggest things that you and I will have to stand upon. Because culture around us says that you have to be accepting of everyone else. You have to be accepting of all what they believe and all these different things. And can I just tell you, no, there is only one way to heaven. There's no other way. I'm not going to tell anyone else that's the way because one day I'll give account for that. And I don't want to stand before the Lord and the Lord be like, I made it so clear in scriptures. How how did you, how did you miss it? We have to be unified together. Here's the next thing is is they develop resources for learning. Uh, people who have a teaching call, and you, and you can see this in people, like churches that have a teaching function that's really primary, and people who have it, they're constantly wanting to develop resources for things. So I know I'm going to use her again, but Amanda Mauricio, if you've ever been in one of Amanda's classes, she makes this whole layout, and her notes are so intense. She puts all these things in there, fill in the blanks, and she like, puts all these other study things in there and makes all these incredible notes first time Alyssa Reynolds, who's our communication director, was putting things together, she was like, Amanda is so good at that kind of stuff. Why? Because she's has a teacher coin on her function in her life. And so she's constantly trying to develop resources for others to learn. She's constantly saying, how, how can I develop this? So discipleship, They're constantly looking at that. They're looking at different ways to communicate, different forms of media, through writing, through liturgies. There's important things. I was at a church in Houston. I do go to church even when I'm on vacation. And uh, we went to our friend's church in Austin. And I was sitting there, and and I love it. They started off their gathering, and they just read a scripture. And, And I said, do they do this every week? And he's like, every week, the call to worship is a scripture verse that's being read. And it was so Powerful hearing the scripture read. And I just, I was sitting there and I went, I think we should do something like that. Just a simple piece, you know, that would be in there of just calling us to worship. And I was like, Man, I really like that. It was powerful hearing God's word because I don't know about you. Sometimes I come in from the week and I got a lot of other things on my mind. Sometimes, you know, now Kasha and I, we don't we don't come together, but sometimes we we had a fight the night before and and then I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm thinking about that. Some of you, you know, you, you got mad because someone got your parking spot. You're sitting there right now. You're still mad because someone's sitting in your seat. And you're just like, I can't believe it. So and so sat in my seat. Don't they know that? But these people are constantly developing resources for learning. Here's the next thing. Is they, they help integrate life and thinking. They really have this lifelong pursuit and practice of of helping to think, how can I integrate life and thinking together? How how can I integrate the scriptures? How can I integrate these things together? I love what Alan Hirsch in his book, uh, 5Q, and and that's where we have been pulling a lot of these resources, Pastor Braley, Pastor Ron, we've all been pulling from that, but, but in his book, he actually says this. He says, good teaching not only informs, but he says this, it also forms people into an ethos a way of discipleship see good teaching not only informs us it's not just something that just informs us but it actually begins to form us into the church it begins to form us into into who Christ is it begins to form these things in our lives and it's really becomes this way of discipleship inside of us the next thing is this is it transmits ideas A teacher function really is transmitting these ideas. We have an answer. Come on, we have a cure. And teacher's constantly thinking, how can I get the cure out there? How can I get the answer out there? How can I help other people there? And we have a responsibility to transmit the biblical worldview to the next generation and to other cultures around us. What you heard from... Steve and Kim was this, is they are going to unreached people groups. Why? Because they feel a mandate by the Lord to go to areas and to go to people who have never heard the name of Jesus. There's a mandate. There's this idea they need to know who Jesus is. Because why? Because one encounter with Jesus can change everything. One encounter. I've always said through the years... I can explain to you how good an apple is, but until you taste that apple, you'll never know what it truly is. And when people taste the Lord, and they taste, what happens is, is they taste and see that the Lord is good. Yeah. And you can go, you can know every time that that's going to be the experience. That's going to happen in their lives. The next thing is is this is is it develops traditions. See, tradition is good. Young people, can I just say tradition is good. Following a pattern is good. Tradition really boils down to this. It's learning that can be passed on and passed down from generation to generation. It's experiences that get passed on. The reason why certain traditions are followed in the church is because they know that those experiences have had an impact on people's lives. And so they say, I want to do this and continue to pass down. Now here's what happens is, and this is the thing. Anytime a primary gift becomes, or a, a, one of the fivefold functions becomes the primary gift, what happens is, is things get out of whack. So think about certain churches that have a strong teaching. They become so strong in tradition that when the apostolic voice comes in and says, hey, what about this, and what about reaching this area, and what if we, what if we begin going to this area and doing these things and planting this church over here, the, the teacher gift says, no! That's not how we do things here. Stop changing the way we do things. The apostolic person's like, let's do it. The prophet in there, they're like, look, the Lord is speaking a new thing here. Let's do this new thing. And the the person over here is like, where is it in the scripture? The teacher's like, where is it in the scripture? The prophet's like, I heard it from the Lord. And the teacher's like, well, if it's not in the scriptures, we're not doing it. Stop trying to break us out of it. The evangelists, they're nowhere to be seen. They're just outside of the church. They're out there doing their own thing. They're just, they're out there, right? I mean, the shepherd, he's over there. He's trying to make sure everyone's happy. He's just like, oh, I'm so sorry. I know, I know you're wanting to do these new things as the apostle and, and the teachers over here, right? Like, you see all these things. But the beauty is, is when all five of those are in operation, We don't see these things getting all out of whack. We don't see these primary gifts. And so tradition isn't bad. And that's one of the things the Lord was really challenging. Brian, tradition is not bad. Tradition is, there's, there's beauty in tradition. There's beauty in these pieces that are there, and, and a teacher really understands those things, but it's also done in the way to where these things are being passed on from generation to generation. Throughout the entire months of September, we're gonna be celebrating 75 years as a church. Come on, 75 years as a church. And as we began thinking about what could encapsulate 75 years as a church body, here's what we came up with. We are leading, we, we have a legacy of leading the way. And each week we're going to be looking at different things that we have led the way in. So Pastor Ron's going to be starting us off and he's going to be talking about uh, the legacy of serving. And if you don't know his story, you'll see it and you'll hear it that Sunday. And it is a powerful story of a man who has led this church through the legacy of serving. The next week, David and Mary Boyd will be with us, and they'll be sharing about leading through a legacy of empowering the next generation. And David and Mary Boyd, for many of you don't know who they are. They were children's pastors here. They're now the national BGMC directors. Raising millions of dollars through young people around the world and making an impact around the world. In fact, right beforehand, Kim said, we're so excited. She said, "BGMC just gave us $5,000 and we're going to plant a church. She was so excited about the BGMC that came through. So David and Mary will be with us. The next week, we'll be talking about a leading through a legacy of of faithfulness. And you'll see myself and Sis Clay will be sharing she encapsulates faithfulness. She has faithfully served this church uh, even after her husband passed away, he was the pastor here. You'll hear about that story. The next week, uh, Brother Leach will be with us. He'll be talking about leading through a legacy of loving, and we'll just have just a powerful service there. And he has a pastor's heart. That man has a shepherd's a function on his life. You see it in and through him. You'll have the privilege of being able to see him. And, and he pastored here for 20-something years, and God just faithfully used him. And then from there, the last week, we'll be talking about leaving a leg or leading through a legacy of the outside and how sometimes God takes people from our church body and begins to cause influence to happen outside of the church that we could never imagine. And Doug Clay will be with us who is now the general superintendent of the Assemblies of God. Uh, oversees over 3 million people and I mean, tons of churches. I mean, just like thinking about someone who leads on the outside. It is going to be a powerful, powerful month of September. But here's why I say all that. It's because we are leading the way And you heard Kim say that. You heard her talk about the faithfulness of what God has done in and through our church. But can I just say, I think there have been years that we have kind of forgotten about who God's called us to be. And Kim, I have to apologize to you because I don't necessarily know that we've been that sending center that we are known for. But I promise you, we will. And we will become that once again and God's gonna do that. And here's the last one is that It creates a culture of lifelong learners, creates a culture of lifelong learners. You see, the teacher anointing and function when put in there is calling people to righteousness. It's calling people to a right relationship with God. What's interesting is that the teachers are similar to the prophets and the apostles. In many ways, they deal with ideas that continue to shape life, but here's the difference. Teachers are connected or concerned more about the broad comprehension and the systematic understanding. The prophet, though, is concerned about the faithfulness to the covenant, the covenant with God. That's what the prophet's concerned. Whereas the teacher's like, no, let's look at the system, let's look at the comprehension. You know, are you understanding these things? The apostle, he's helping to form the foundation, the formative, really more like the meta ideas. The teachers, though, don't have a sense, though, many times of an urgency. You'll see that. The prophet and the apostle have this sense of urgency. We've got to go. The teacher's like, no, let's just kind of spend some time in here. Let's dig in. But teachers normally, though, don't teach what they don't understand. And that's why it takes them longer. The prophet, he hears from the Lord, and he's like, I'll just teach it. The apostle, he's, he's just like, oh, we're, this is where we're going, you know. The evangelist, he's doing his thing. But, but the teacher, it takes a little more time because they, they really want to have an understanding because teachers don't want to teach things that they don't understand or that they don't feel that they can lead people to places that they've never been themselves. So how do we become a church that is well-practiced community of learners? Well, we allow the voice of the teacher to rise up. And when we're sitting in the back of the room and we see the teacher in front of us, instead of feeling inferior to that voice, instead of sitting out in the hallway like back in third grade and saying, I'm just dumb, I can't do these things. Because we can't understand like the teacher does, we begin to realize that God has placed different voices and different functions inside of the church body and we are better together. See, for some of us it takes later in life for us to fully understand that being different is actually okay. Because if you aren't who God has called you to be, then we can never be complete. Because you are a part of the body. And the body is much bigger than a bike, than a motorcycle, than a skeleton. The body of Christ is you and me working together to see the kingdom advance and to see people take one step closer. Today I wanna have a moment. I know next gathering will have a moment for people to be baptized. In fact, next gathering will have two. We have one, okay, fantastic. So we do have one, but I wanna give opportunity, maybe today you're sitting here and you haven't gone public for Jesus yet with water baptism, can I just say this? Today's your day, this is your moment. Um, I know that we've gone a little bit longer today and it's okay, we'll be good. But um, today, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, can I just encourage you, first step is this, surrender to Christ. Say, Jesus be Lord of my life. In fact, all across this room, if you could just bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. The Lord loves you. He sees you right where you are. Maybe today you're sitting here and you're wondering what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. Because personally, you haven't started that journey I Can I just say, that's okay. Today's your day. Today's the day for you to take that next step because Jesus is the answer. He's the one that can forgive you of every sin you've ever committed, everything you've ever done wrong. He is crazy, madly in love with you, loves you right where you are desires to bring about forgiveness to your life. And so if you're here today and you find yourself far from God, you find yourself not in right relationship with Him, can I just encourage you, today is your day, to take that first step. He is reaching out to you, and He is saying, I love you." I've asked you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment, and so if that's you today, you'd say, you know, that's me, Pastor Brown. I just want you to real quick, I just want you to just to raise your hand and say, that's me. I need to take that first step today. Come on, just want to give you an opportunity right now. That's you. You'd say, I need to take that first step today and surrender my life to Christ. Come on, if that's you, you just raise your hand and say, that's me. That's me. Anyone. All right. Just wanted to give opportunity. Every eye looking up here at me real quick. We have one person that's going to be baptized. Okay, she backed out, it's all right. She's gonna go public for Jesus, maybe next gap, Or maybe next week, or the next time we have baptism, which is fine. So, here's your task this week. This tank right here is gonna be set up next month and we wanna see people being baptized. So, here's the task go win some people for Jesus. Just go win some people for Jesus. And here's what I'll do. It doesn't have to be me baptizing them. You lead someone to Jesus, you get to dunk them in the tank. You, And if it's a family member, you want to hold them under a little longer, hold them under a little longer. Just make sure you bring them back up, all right? I'm serious. You want to lead someone to the Lord, you... you, you it, there's no, it doesn't have to be me dunking someone. It doesn't have to be Pastor Brandon. You, you can baptize someone. So there's your marching orders. Go win someone to Jesus. So next month when we have baptism, the tank's full. we got people being baptized. If you're like, I don't want to baptize somebody, okay, you go win them to Jesus. I'll dunk them. If you want me to hold them under longer, we'll work something out. God bless. We love you guys. Have a great week.